You're listening to Energy Insiders, a weekly update on clean energy and climate policy with Renew Economies editor Giles Parkinson and leading energy analyst David Leach. Energy Insiders is brought to you by Evergen, providing fully integrated and optimised energy intelligence and storage for residential and commercial sites. And Solaray, experts in solar PV, storage and monitoring. Hello and welcome to this latest episode of Energy Insiders. My name is Giles Parkinson. I'm the editor of Renew Economy and joining me as usual is ITK analyst David Leach. David, trust you are well. What an interesting week it's uh, been in electricity, Giles, and what an interesting interview we have today from a new player on the market. Look, it's probably one of the biggest things to happen in the market over the last couple of years. It is, of course, the introduction or the start of business for CleanCo, which is the new Queensland government um, generator. Now, they traditionally had two government-owned generators, Stanwell and CS Energy, whose um, business has been focused um, entirely around fossil fuels, or by and large. And this third business called CleanCo, and it's pretty much that, it's holding the um, hydro and gas assets of the state and to some extent will facilitate the state's transition to a 50% renewable energy target, which is still its wish, even if it's not a legislated one. But um, look, before we go any further, David, let's have a listen. We got to talk with Jackie Walters, the chairman, chairwoman of CleanCo, just a short time ago. Thanks for joining the Energy Insiders podcast. Oh, thank you for inviting me, Giles. Well, congratulations on your appointment and congratulations for the imminent start of the Clean Co operation. Um, I think you're officially in business from Thursday or Friday, isn't it? Uh, Thursday is our first day of trading. That's right. So we take ownership of what we call our foundation assets um, and that allows us to start training, trading. Um, so, yeah, it's a really exciting day for Clean Co and as you can imagine, um, since we were first established back in December last year, there's been an enormous amount of work from the team to get ready for this occasion. And, yeah, and look, I can imagine just being quite frantic and getting getting ready, getting ready for the big day. Can, let's just, for the sake of the listeners, just um, repeat or just sort of um, underline what are those foundation assets? It's the hmm. Swanbank E gas generator. It's the Wivenhoe pumped storage uh, facility and there's three smaller hydro facilities in the North Queensland is that right? That's right yes so there's Korea, Barren Gorge and Kumbalumba up in the north. Kumbalumba and so from Thursday what is the purpose of Clinco and what's it going to be doing in the markets? So the purpose of Clinco is to um, use those renewable and lower emission generating assets to put downward pressure on wholesale prices. So those assets have been owned by the Queensland government um, in the other government-owned generators, but they've really been um, a minor part of their portfolio. So they're the major part of our portfolio, so we will be using them um, in a different way and that will add supply to the market when the market is at its peak. Um, and by adding supply, that's how we will have an influence on on the price at the peak and also potentially um, the behaviour of some of the other participants. Um, so, yes, and I guess, you know, if you look at our assets, Wivenhoe is the big one which allows, um, which allows and, us and to have really, that. And it's been really used to. Sorry, it's been, it's yes, been really used right. to now. So presumably, presumably you're going to be pumping during the day when we've seen negative um, prices. 
Exactly. So, um, so it's, you know, it's like a great big battery that allows us to then firm intermittent sources of energy um, and, you know, sort of put, flatten the duck curve, if you like, and, um, and put that downward pressure on those peak prices. So that's, that's our starting point. Um, and really, that's our core mandate at the moment. Um, and, and and so do you think that you will actually be eliminating some of those um, negative prices then? I mean, because we've seen quite a lot of them in, in the month of September, for instance, and, um, and yes. Oh, look, I, I don't know. I'm, I'd, I'd be reluctant to answer that question. I think um, uh, certainly there are people in our team who have um, strong, strong views on some of that, but um, the market, I think, is, um, you know, is so difficult, I guess, to predict in some ways that I'd be reluctant to say that we would. Um, but, you know, that's that's certainly something that is front of mind for everyone. It's it's something that as at a whole of system level we need to be addressing. So I, I might just, I mean, you've, a couple of those assets are quite large. So I think Wyvernhoe is about 550 megawatts, isn't it? And I think uh, Swan Bank E is about 380 megawatts. Um, yes. Is the is the sole mandate of Clean Co to put downward pressure on prices? Because uh, if you look at say the ACCC, they had a view that it could be done differently by splitting Queensland into three separate regions. And in any case, Queensland wholesale prices are already uh, some of the lowest in the NEM. And, mm. and uh, so, uh, I, do you also have a mandate to you know? Uh, support more renewable energy, or I mean, how, yeah, or how do you see yeah. clean coat role developing? Yeah, so I think um, the first thing I would say is it would, you know, it would be very disappointing if the only thing we do is operate these assets differently to the way that they've been operated before. Um, so we're trying to walk before we run, and certainly that's something that we need to get right. But we do have a broader mandate around supporting the transition of the Queensland economy to a lower carbon economy. And clearly there is a transition um, underway, but how do we make sure that that's a very um, constructive um, transition? And what role can CleanCo play as a government-owned renewable generator that, um, that allows the renewable um, energy industry to flourish? So... You know, there are aspects of um, grid strength that I think we can play a role in. Um, there are also aspects of industry support that we can play a role in. And they're, they're I guess, um, emerging um, ideas that we have around the broader role of Clean Co. And once we get through this day one trading, um, then we'll start to turn our mind to the, the types of activities that we can um, start to get involved in that will will support that broader mandate. So it's early days so, for us in terms of, of, you know, the specifics, but certainly there's a broader mandate. Certainly, I think in some ways this interview might have been better in a year's time, but um, um, just there are really the two roles, aren't they, that uh, uh, firm in generators such as yourself, and I, I might look at Snowy and also uh, Infogen, I mean, on the one hand, there's trading expertise in the spot market, and I'm assuming you haven't. And on the other hand, there's like the way of using your 
uh, cap capacity, if I can put it that way, to to firm up uh, renewables. And I think there's also a mandate to develop, you know, something like a gigawatt of renewables in yes. in Queensland over the next six years. But just let me ask about the trading expertise. Do 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 you think you're actually got a competent tra- trading? I used to work at an investment bank. Trading's not just turning <laughs> up for work at the moment and answering the phone. You know. No, no, no. Well, we've we've got an exceptional trading team. Um, and, you know, I guess uh, if you asked people around the industry, um, they're envious of the team that we've been able to attract, um, led very ably by Tanya Mills. Um, and, you know, it's very interesting when we've been recruiting uh, for Clean Co how strong um, the pull of the purpose of Clean Co is. So people who have you know, a long experience in the energy industry and and working as traders in the energy markets are really attracted to the purpose of CleanCo. Um, So, yeah, we have an exceptional trading team and uh, I can't wait for them to really start working in full. I'll hand back to Giles in a second, but I must agree with you. Everywhere I look, uh, people want to work for renewable energy because because people always want to work on, on the positive side of history. Uh, but the only other question I really wanted to ask on the technical side uh, really was about the gas in Swan Bank E, which could be quite a big player, but it seems to me it's only got very limited gas contracts at the moment. I think you've got mm. the Kogan, Kogan North JV, which is about four petajoules a year for a few more years, and then maybe yeah. some hope of getting gas out of Comet Ridge if that development, mm. which has been ongoing since 2014, Ever, ever turns into reality. Can you make some comments about that? Oh, look, all I'd say about that is it's certainly on our radar and um, and it's something that we're working on. So it's um, it's not something that's uh, that we've missed as we've been focusing on getting ready for trading. Jackie, um, you're talking about the clean energy transition here too. Will you then be the main vehicle um, for the Queensland government to reach its 50% renewable energy target? Oh, look, I don't think we'd be the main vehicle. Um, We certainly play um, a large role in that. But no, I don't think we would be the main vehicle. I think there's, Mm. you know, there's a lot of work going on in the government around what what are the, you know, what is that strategy to achieve that and how do each of the participants um, in the market play a role in that? Mm. So the other, you know, the other generators will certainly play a role in that at some point. Um, so it's I it's guess just they're a mad, defending to a large extent. Yes, I, I guess to a, a certain extent, Stanwell and CS Energy will be seeking to protect their legacy assets, which are sort of mainly coal generators. So you're all government owned, you're all owned by the same mm. people. So to what extent are your your sort of corporate goals at cross purposes and to what extent um, are they supposed to be lined together? Well, we've we've got common shareholding ministers, as you point out. So, you know, at, at that macro level, there's overall objectives that we're all working towards. We're playing different roles. And I think this is part of that challenge of the transition um, is how do we make that happen in a positive way? And I guess, you know, the benefit is that we do have common owners. So, um, so we can make that um, make that journey, hopefully, in that constructive and positive way. Clean Co has a very specific mandate. Um, the other generators equally have their own mandates. But certainly 
um, they're things that will get um, a high degree of attention from the government around, well, how do those mandates change over time um, in a way that allows us to have this really constructive transition? Um, so, yeah. Perhaps you could put sort of big signs on your offices and past, present and future. Um, I'm just wondering if we could get down to the RE400 mandate. Now you're taking mm -hmm. over this um, auction, which has been, look, it's been in the um, it's been in the uh, in, in 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 the pipeline for a long time now. So what's your priorities there? Um, there's it's described as 400 megawatts of wind, solar and storage. What will you be seeking to do and when? So the, um, that process had started um, and I think it was being conducted by Treasury. Uh, Cleanco has taken over that process and we have been going through, a, basically going back out to those proponents that were shortlisted, um, just seeking a refresh of information and we're now going through an evaluation process. So we expect to conclude that early next year um, and, and then we'll be able to announce the results of that so yeah so we do we we're responsible now for concluding that process can, can you talk a look talk a little bit about your uh balance sheet and support uh for for building out that portfolio so i mean clearly you won't have enough cash and that portfolio itself is uh well, that is a reverse auction but i mm. mean you'll have as far as i can see something like four or five hundred million of cash support i might have that you can correct me if i've got that number wrong uh, to support your trading activities in general and to support uh, the development of not just these 400 megawatts but, but another, the, the, the broader target? Yeah, there's, so there's an, initial, it, there's an initial $250 million that's been allocated specifically for developing new renewables um, and that's another process that we're running at the moment which is looking at our portfolio um, looking at what we want to do in terms of adding to that portfolio and starting a process to look at the market um, and determine, you know, A, what sort of options do we want to pursue and then commence pursuing those options. Um, so, you know, there will be a process of us um, seeking uh, funding for some of those activities in later years, whether it's from the government or whether it's from other sources of, um, of financing, but that's you know, that's something that we're working on. Uh, we don't have anything uh, definitive in that except that we have the $250 million, um, and that's something that we're working very specifically on at the moment. Now, can I just ask if those um, that reverse auction, is that for a power purchase agreement for a part of the, um, for part of the output of those shortlisted projects and will you be trying to get as many going as possible or does that to a certain extent expect um, depend on what you're hearing back from them over the next couple of months? Yeah, it's de it depends on the results, but the nature is that, yes, as you described, but the number of them, um, it will just depend on, on the quality of what we're seeing um, and, and what fits with the rest of our strategy in terms of the portfolio. And, and, and storage will play a reasonably big role in that? Well, it, storage is um, part of it, so it's up to 400 and there are some um, uh, statements about storage, but it just depends on what the proposals are that are most attractive, so we're being open-minded about that. But certainly what, what was requested um, and bid for was um, for generation and also some storage. 
So there's a, a question about, I mean, I guess you're in a position um, as likely to be one of the major developers, essentially, or uh, of one way or another of renewable energy over the next few years because you've got a mandate to kind of shape the direction. And there's been some commentary that you, uh, Cleanco would prefer to be supporting wind rather than more solar. And, you know, why would you even need a solar farm when you can already buy at zero um, so that, that would be the first part of uh, a topic I might ask about. Well, there's, you know, we're, we're agnostic, I suppose. What we're looking for is um, a range of assets and um, arrangements that allow us to have an effective portfolio and that allows us to do two things. One, take best advantage of the assets that we currently own or will own on Thursday. Um, but also what makes sense for the whole of state as well. So, um, you know, what, what types of assets we prefer um, will relate directly to that rather than a preference for any particular type of asset. Right. And who, uh, who makes those decisions? Is it you that makes the decision that's best for the state or, I mean... Uh... I mean, this is, I guess, I shouldn't get bogged down here, but it's a difficulty with state-owned corporations, which, you know, because private enterprise, you know you're working more or less for the shareholders, but it's kind mm. of a little bit un un unclear. Well, in, we're, in we're, I guess, you know, we are still working for the shareholders and they are very clear about their expectations of us um, and that is to use these assets in a way that has a positive impact, um, but also to support that development of the renewable um, industry. And that is, you know, that's where we determine what the right portfolio looks like and what is our strategy to build that portfolio. Um, how do we do that while remaining viable, which is certainly one of the requirements of the shareholders. Um, but, you know, what, what role can we play in other parts of our portfolio which might be to do with grid strength and grid stability um, and also supporting supporting um, industry development or or industry renewal so you know whilst whilst I agree that um, you know we've got government shareholders it's there's a lot of similarities with dealing with uh, private sector shareholders where they've got particular objectives that they want you to achieve it's just that in this case, um, they're not dominated by just financial objectives. There's a broader mandate. Sure. I'll hand back to I just to Giles, and I shouldn't sneak this extra question in, but I'm naughty. We've talked a lot about the cost side of things, that is buying electricity, but on the revenue side of things, we've talked about short-term trading, but do you also plan to be a participant more as a, a big retailer trying to uh, sell long-term output? Yeah, well, we certainly um, will initially focus on commercial and industrial customers. And, you know, that's, that's um, I guess, been a frustration to those prospective customers that we're not already up and running. So there's certainly a lot of interest and um, enthusiasm to engage with us. So, yes. So do you have customers now? No, not yet. Well, looking not, forward to get your not, first one. <laughs> not, not, not that I can discuss, but, but um, yeah, no, that's that's certainly part of uh, 
you know, our journey. I guess our focus has been on getting ready no. for this trading. There's been so obviously there's there's activity in the background, but uh, not ready to announce any customers today. Because there's not much point having power purchase agreements with off tech agreements with um, wind and solar farms if you haven't got any customers to sell it on to, I guess. Mm. Um, the long term contract, um, the long term target of a thousand megawatts by um, 2025, mm. is that going to be? Can you just clarify exactly what that is? Is that over and above this RE400 auction? Is it going to be stuff which is owned by you um, or just contracted by Cleanco? I'm just a bit unclear about that. It'll be a combination. So, and I guess that's part of what we're starting to work on now. We've got through this establishment phase. Is what will our portfolio need to look like in order to deliver on that mandate? Um, and it certainly will be a combination. Mm. So, uh, it's um, so in, in in effect with the RE four hundred, you could possibly contract four hundred megawatts of solar and storage and wind capacity, and probably facilitate more than a thousand megawatts of development anyway. Yes, yeah. So we're just Does yeah we're. Uh, I'm just wondering whether that means that your mandate is already met, or whether that's um, or you'll be actually seeking to contract or own yourself a thousand megawatts by 2025. So. There's more to come after RE400. Yeah, no, there's, just, yeah, yes. No, we haven't met our mandate yet, so there's more to come. Okay. And you've got your first day of trading on Thursday. Um, <laughs> sorry to use a cricket analogy, but are you going to be blocking the first few balls or are you going to try and hit, a, hit the ball out of the ground? <laughs> I think we'll, yeah, well, hopefully in between the two, maybe we'll go for some um, some doubles um, in our first few days, but uh, so long as we don't have a duck on the first day, I'd be happy. <laughs> as, an, as an a duck curve, or a yeah, exactly. and, 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 and Jackie, you talked a little bit about system strength, but I mean, uh, it seems to me that your main assets are located around Brisbane, where, as I uh, and I don't really understand it, system strength is very strong. Uh, it's yes. really in the north of the state where all the uh, big issues are. That's yes. not something – I mean, how do you plan to help with system strength? Well, that's something that we're just starting to look at now is, you know, how can we play a role in addressing that challenge? So there's, you know, you, there are many different things that we're thinking about and we certainly haven't got a mature view of that yet, but it's certainly something we think we can play a positive role in um, and and that's something that, you know, we'll, we'll – put more specific thinking to after Thursday. Well, thank you very much for joining the Energy Insiders podcast, uh, Jackie, and um, good luck to you and um, and your team. And uh, I'm sure we in the um, whole of the energy industry um, will be watching with great interest um, from Thursday and um, over the medium to long term to see what the next developments are. Great. Thank you very much for inviting me onto your podcast. Thanks again. Cheers. And that was Jackie Waters, the chairwoman of Clean Co. Um, I think all eyes are going to be on the market on Thursday, David. Well, it takes a lot to be good at trading, and uh, the board of uh, Clean Co doesn't have a lot of trading expertise. But so it'll be interesting to see how it goes, and I'm sure they'll proceed steadily. We didn't quite touch on what will happen if the Labor Party uh, were to lose office, which I think is November or something next year, because the um, and, and nor, I don't, nor should we ignore the fact, I think, that uh, Stanwell and CS Energy 
are both themselves planning for this 50% renewable future. If you look at Stanwell's annual report, it's been working very hard on making its coal plants able to ramp up and down and even turn off in half for half a day and then turn on a unit. And in addition, it itself will want to uh, pursue its own uh, renewable mandates. So I, I, Cleanco is certainly not the only uh, iron in the fire for Queensland. Yeah, well, look, um, it's going to be fascinating to see it goes and be good to see the um, RE400 program finally moving forward. It's been sort of sitting around for a couple of years now. And um, it was interesting that um, Jackie talked, um, said that they actually had gone back to get an update because I'd rather suspect that um, since the bids were first lodged, um, prices will probably come down quite considerably since then. And in fact, um, some businesses have actually gone out backwards. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that project list is, I mean, some of those projects are very good projects, no doubt, but they really, if you were doing it properly, you'd, you'd, you'd go and get a fresh set of mandates, but I suppose then you push the whole thing back a year. I mean, they must be able to find 400 megawatts out of that list that, that uh, you know, that's not like there's any shortage of projects in Queensland, they just need revenue. No, that's exactly right. And look, um, interesting um, developments. The um, the uh, the federal government and the state and New South Wales state government have gotten together to fast track some transmission. Um, strangely enough, from well, not strangely enough, well, it's but, not strangely um, enough to me, Giles. We've been no, calling about for ages, you know, like <laughs> asking for a bit of state government support. The only thing that surprises me slightly uh, is that they've done it on the Queensland to New South Wales side of things. Uh, rather than uh, also going to New South Wales, Victoria, which to my mind is at least as urgent, if not more urgent, in, in the medium term. I wonder if there's something political about that. Um, maybe um, um, Angus Taylor is sort of looking to get an ally in Matt Keane with the um, Coag Energy Ministers meeting upcoming. And um, and he was rather critical when the Victorian government um, unveiled plans to um, have about $300 million spent on an upgrade in Western Victoria, which is just as needed for you know system security um, and generation. Look, the political cynic in me, uh, never that far away, always says, uh, you know, when a minister's in a particular spot of bother, make a positive announcement. Uh, the original uh, RE400 sort of re-emergence re in Queensland came at a time that for one reason or another the Palaszczuk government was under pressure and now we've had uh, Mr Taylor under a lot of pressure about, you know, slagging off Clover Moore quite uh, unfairly, uh, suddenly has found a nice positive announcement, isn't it? But it's great. But look, the, the bottom line here is some government support to get this transmission uh, started. Uh, and mean whatever transmission gets built in Australia is not going to be gold-plated. It's not going to be wasted. We need more transmission, and we need it now. I know that not all of our listeners agree with that. Some of them think we should do everything locally, and we're also big fans of distributed energy and doing as much locally as possible, but there's no doubt uh, you overall get a stronger, uh, more resilient system when all the local stuff is backed up by great interstate transmission links. Absolutely, yeah. No, and, the, and and you're quite right. There is a lot of debate about you know whether it should be done locally in new poles and wires, and um, it's a fascinating debate. But at least the debate is all going in the same direction, which is um, renewables. Um, a couple of interesting announcements about um, some new plant. Um, I think um, um, a step ahead for Luminous Energy's 170 megawatt plant in um, in southwest Queensland. But interesting also to note um, some delays. Uh, Yaron Lee. Um, which has been built since about August has sort of flagged that it's probably not going to get connected for another couple of months as it goes through this um, commissioning process. And poor old Kennedy um, Energy Hub, wind, solar and battery storage owned by Windlab, they were actually completed the mechanical construction at the end of last year in December. And now they've informed us that... Um, their contractors have failed to get a um, GPS generating performance standard, won't get it before Christmas. So they're just going to be sitting, sucking their thumbs um, until at least sometime in 2020. 
Well, yes, but I mean, uh, Kennedy, you know, uh, uh, some of the responsibility has to be theirs because they didn't, their, their own contractor didn't get a GPS. I mean, there's not really any excuse for that, quite frankly, but a lot of these other guys have met all the standards and they still get held at these uh, hold points for months and months at something like a third of capacity. I had a question yesterday from someone who wanted to understand why electricity prices haven't come down yet, considering all the new renewables capacity. And there's at least two reasons for that. One, one is that so much uh, of the coal-fired capacity is out of action. I think that even today, when I looked at two units at a uh, Raring closed, two units at uh, at um, um, uh, Bayswater closed, the whole of Mount Piper was out. Uh, so that's certainly impacting things. But the other one is that most of the renewable compa capacity that's been, or a lot of it, that's been uh, constructed, it's just harder and harder for the transmission guys to actually let it get up to its full capacity. And that's uh, really holding the whole system back. But, the, you know, us sitting here talking about it, Giles, not going to get it fixed. We can just only only note it and note how, how poor the system has been at, at getting ready for all of this. Yes, well, I put the poor old guys in um, in Victoria, they've got five big solar farms there and four of them have been 50% rations over the last few weeks because of these new system strength issues that they've just suddenly discovered in Western Victoria, them along with the Broken Hill solar farm. And all of them were cut off completely over the last five days um, because of a need for a um, a separate need for a um, work on the transmission lines there. So they sat for four or five days um, with zero output. So um, a bit frustrating And, and this, this is not going to finish. Uh, unfortunately, these problems aren't going to go away. And we said uh, pretty much the day the transmission upgrades between New South Wales and Victoria went into planning stages, uh, and that's years ago, and they still haven't actually started the real work, uh, that, you know, there would be a lot of real work, and that was going to cause lots of problems in the link between New South Wales and Victoria. Uh, I guess uh, I'm sure that they're doing it now so that as we get into the uh, higher demand months uh, from, you know, halfway through November onwards to the, to the end of uh, February, I suppose, that at least as much of it as possible is actually up and running in Victoria because we saw what happened last summer. The same thing could happen in New South Wales to an extent this summer or again in Victoria. And it's just so frustrating to know that there's a power there, uh, but just no way to shift it to where it's needed. Yeah, and the other interesting thing is what to do about sort of coal-fired generators. I sort of read with some amusement in the uh, the Murdoch media about Matt Canavan still pushing his line for a, a coal generator in Collinsville, um, up near Townsville, which is um, about as barking mad as you can possibly get. And um, he was quite upset that, um, that the Morrison's team weren't getting on with it. Um, but there's still a lot of talk about trying to keep these um, existing coal generators open for as long as possible, and um, the idea of capacity markets won't go away. No, so... Uh We've, the experience of capacity markets in the UK is, is one that I think we'll increasingly be turning our, our eye to. Uh, the price for new capacity in the UK, and I hope we, we can have someone on who knows actually what they're talking about rather than me, but the price for new capacity in the, in, for the capacity support in the UK has come down and down and down, but it's come down to the point where it's doing nothing other than providing additional revenue for the uh, existing thermal generators uh, to help them keep going. Uh, um, you published an article by Tempest which uh, said that, that that you know had asked the EEC to interfere in that and the EEC did go and have a way of look at it for six months but recently decided that actually the UK market wasn't breaking any rules so uh, we're seeing this development of capacity markets in, 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 in Europe and what we are seeing is that they're more likely to keep uh, thermal generators open uh, rather than encourage new capacity which is what people I think would prefer in the longer term 
Uh, the one other thing to say about that in Australia, of course, this is going to be one of the bigger items that's going to be on the ESB uh, review of the markets post-2025. But long before then, I think we're going to have the Victorian government thinking about, uh, uh, you know, whatever the law actually says. The reality is, how can we support your lawn for a bit longer uh, if Portland aluminium smelter closes? Because we've seen lots of noises from Portland uh, management, uh, from your lawn management about that already. Well, if you um, if Portland does close, and um, I think it's probably quite important to note that if Portland does close, it's got nothing to do with um, the existence of well, maybe it's got everything to do with the um, its source of generation that's probably too dirty and too expensive in in Victoria, um, and and it's sort of you know going against sort of um, um, winds of change elsewhere. But if um, Portland was to close, is there any reason why we'd actually need your lawn anymore? Well, what you would expect, if there, again, if there was enough transmission, is that your lawns lower variable cost, right? When you don't have a carbon price, uh, brown coal, despite being incredibly carbon intensive, and you need to remember that your lawn is not that far short of where Hazelwood was in terms of its carbon emissions, um, uh, would just uh, sell its power up into New South Wales, where it could undercut the New South Wales generators. And I think that's still what most people expect. But if it turns out there are transmission constraints and it just finds that hard to do and it has to start going into a start up and start down mode, uh, then I think it would get into financial difficulty, operational difficulties. And the question is, uh, Victoria has already seen what happened when Hazelwood closed and they kept Portland open. And I don't think Victoria wants to be regarded as being the ridiculously high electricity price in Australia. So. You know, the only way around that is to get uh, 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 make sure that you replace your lawn before it closes or that you've got enough uh, capacity, not just in the middle of the day, uh, but for the whole 24 hours every day. And to do that, of course, they need that transmission upgrades and extra infrastructure, and that's going to take a few years, and particularly in Western Victoria. Because they've, they've legislated 50% renewables, right, uh, by 2030, That's uh, which is only now, you know, effectively 10 years away. Uh, so um, they need to be thinking hard about, uh, you know, how to have a firmed energy product for Victoria as a whole, uh, knowing that it's only going to come from Loyang A and Loyang B post about 2025. I mean, that is increasingly the most likely scenario. Hmm, extraordinary stuff. David, anything else to touch on before we uh, sign off? I think that'll just about cover us for this week. Absolutely, and time to thank our sponsors, um, Evergen and Solaray Energy. Uh, we do appreciate your support and uh, stand by for their particular messages. Um, great to talk to um, Jackie Walters from Clinco today. Do check out our interviews and podcasts on um, Solar Insiders from last week's All Energy Conference and on The Driven. Uh, we've interviewed um, the people who um, drove um, the UNSW solar car across Australia in the last week's um, World Solar Challenge, and it's an interesting story. Thanks for listening and we'll be back again next week. Bye for now. Energy Insiders was brought to you by Evergen, providing fully integrated and optimised energy intelligence and storage for residential and commercial sites. With technology developed in Australia with the CSIRO, Evergen customers can maximise the return on their sustainable energy investment. Visit evergen.com.au and take control of your energy bills. Energy Insiders is also sponsored by Solaray Energy. Experts in solar PV, storage and monitoring, they're the smart choice for consumers and business. Visit solaray.com.au and secure your energy future today.